Punky peeps, welcome to another episode of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and today we I am discussing Season 1, Episodes 21 and 22, Fenster Hall, Parts 1 and 2. The, se- the Season 1 finale, double-parter, or two-parter, double episode, which aired on March 31st, 1985. So, happy Monday Punky Day. How's everyone doing? I had a great trip in Washington, D.C. I did post the highlights on my Instagram and Facebook page for uh, Punky Brewster, the Punky Power podcast pages. We had left last Sunday and drove for 13 hours. Being in the car for 13 hours and like 80-some degree heat, even though... Occasionally, we did have the air conditioning going here and there. I mainly just had the window down because, as you know, air conditioning does burn a lot of gas. Um, and, well, Jeremy pretty much did the driving. I didn't feel comfortable with driving in unfamiliar areas. So, I mainly just read my book, Coming Up for Air by Miranda Kennelly, the eighth and final book in the Hundred Oaks series, and I actually finished the book on the drive home from F- from the trip. So over the course of the trip, we went on a trolley tour on Monday to see the sites, the Lincoln Memorial, the National Archives Museum, Washington Monument. Then on Tuesday, we went to the Smithsonian Museums, the American History and Air and Space, and also the Holocaust Museum. Then we went to the White House. On Wednesday, we went to the Smithsonian Zoo where I finally got to see a panda bear. Then we saw the U.S. Supreme Court building and the Capitol building. Then we visited the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. We also navigated the subway station. We were a little unsure on Monday, but by Tuesday, Jeremy had an itinerary all set to go, where we needed to be, what um, subways, that trains we had to get on, and stuff like that. So we were all good with that because... I would have been lost. (laughs) Um, And we also navigated the public uh, bus, which I had never been on a public bus. I had never been on a subway either. So those were two firsts for me. Um, I also got to try Chick-fil-A finally. My coworker, Ricky, had been talking it up forever. They have a couple here in Michigan, which I'm not sure exactly where they're at, but... um, I did, it was across from the hotel from us, so it was just a, a walk across the street. And I did try this really good uh, bacon and grilled chicken uh, sandwich. And I did try all the sauces. I was instructed by Ricky to try all the sauces. I did. I liked the Polynesian one and the Chick-fil-A sauce for both. Those were my favorites. Also on the weight. Um, when we were leaving Sunday, we stopped in Ohio to have lunch, and one of the Phillips stations that was basically a, uh, a gas station, and it had, uh, some other little shops in there, there was a Hardee's, and I haven't had Hardee's since, I'd say in over 25 years, when, uh, my town of Lowell had, uh, gotten, they had a Hardee's before it turned into an Arby's, so... I was really excited. It's like, I want to try Hardee's. If we get the chance, I want to go to Hardee's. And I did. And I got this um, 
barbecue bacon burger thing, which was really, really good. I really liked it. And let's see. Also, what else did I try there? There's something. Oh, yeah. It was just the, the Hardee's that that was pretty much. But anyway, I'm so happy to be back home. We got back Thursday night. And now I can be back in front of the mic again recording new podcast episodes. All right. Well, Punky Peeps, we made it. Yay! We've arrived at the final two episodes of Season 1 of Punky Brewster. Where, oh, where has the time gone? Seems like only yesterday I was recording the introduction episode for the podcast way back in January. Thank you for coming along with me on this journey. Onward to Season 2 starting August 1st. But before we do that, we have to have a Season 1 wrap-up to complete first. With my favorite episodes of Season 1, funniest moment, saddest moment, best Henry and Punky moment, best moment between Cherry and Punky, favorite Brandon moment, etc. Let's waste no time getting into these final two episodes and kick off with Punky Brewster Season 1, Episode 21, Fenster Hall, Part 1. In this episode, Punky catches a boy breaking into her room and stealing from her. Henry takes the boy to Fenster Hall, where Mike Fulton, one of the workers there, tries to bond with him. Alright, we jump right into the episode. We open up with Punky's bedroom window. The window is clear now. Um, There's no paint on it. Surprisingly, it's closed. Normally it's closed. There was paint on it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm... But a young boy wearing a red ski mask and a members-only jacket climbs through the window and starts rummaging around the stuff on Punky's bed. Why does she have the bag she took with her to Fenster Hall there on the bed? The kid pulls out a yellow porcelain cat and then Punky's mom's music box that she got from the Christmas episode, which we will cover in December for Christmas. He heads to the door of her room. Why? Was he going to find other stuff to steal? He opens the door and Punky is right outside like she was actually going to be going into her room. They both scream and the red bandit heads to the open window as Punky and Brandon chase after him. But he climbs out to the tree as Brandon barks at him. Punky yells at him that her mom gave her the jewelry box. He doesn't care, Punky. She tells Brandon to call the police and then, uh... He heads out of the room as Punky grabs her vest and heads out the window to follow the kid. Brandon heads into the living room and picks up the phone in his mouth and barks. Where's Henry at? That's what I want to know. Now we see a brick alleyway as the credits come on the screen. Music plays in the background like some Beverly Hills Cop movie score to intensify the action of the scene. Or the intensity. Inside the rundown shack, we see a table piled high with some stolen goods, a carton of milk. There's also a carton of milk, a Sprite can, and other stuff. Then we get a shot of the wall where a knife is sticking out of some plywood and the, on the wall that reads, Blade's Place, Long Live Me. And it looks like the blade was used to carve the name in there. This blade will come back into play as the story goes on. We see a dripping pipe. The show wants to really hone in on this deplorable condition of a place. The red-masked kid runs down the crumbling stairs of the dilapidated, dank hole in the ground of a building and into the room. He slams the door behind him. 
An older guy of about 19, who I checked, the actor who plays Blade, was actually 22 at the time of filming. Yikes. That just seems weird, especially for now times. A 22-year-old 22-year-old hanging out with a 11-year-old boy. That's just creepy. He comes out from the side of the door, spooking TC, who happens to have Punky's music box inside his members-only jacket. The older guy, Blade, who looks really gross, by the way, is sweaty and dirty and wearing a bandana. I, I guess it's supposed to make him look tough. <laughs> he tells TC that the way he ran into the room made it look like he was being followed. He tells Blade that there's not a person alive who can tail him, and we see Punky peering in the little window above his head. Blade tells TC not to brag because just yesterday he let a 76-year-old lady outrun him and get her purse back. And TC tells Blade she was wearing Adidas shoes. Or she was wearing Adidas. He goes on to say that TC is becoming more and more of a disappointment and how he took TC in. And all he asks for in return is for TC to steal things that make him happy, like stereos and wallets filled with credit cards. Blade looks at the jewelry box TC stole from Punky and scoffs at the stuff inside. A Bugs Bunny pencil and a Tweety eraser and a little plastic toy chickie that chirps and walks around when you wind it up. Blade reminds TC that he took him in when he found him in the alley cold, sick, and hungry. TC tells him he remembers and how no one's treated him as good as Blade has. And Blade tells him no one ever will. Blade takes a switchblade out of the wall and leaves. TC goes over to the soiled mattress and hangs his head in shame as Punky wears TC's red ski mask. She bursts inside the door telling him to freeze. Alright, I'm going to play this clip of them meeting because it's kind of funny. So I'm playing the clip... Punky meets TC. Freeze! <laughs> Give me that toy box and I mean now. I'm taking my chicky too. Come off it, kid. You're worse at stealing than I am. Nobody's that bad. <laughs> Beat it! Who's that mean guy? Your brother or something? Nah. I don't have a family. I was on my own till Blade took me in. I was on my own for a while, too. Then I found Henry. Now he's my foster father. He's great. He gives me clothes and toys and good food. Food? What kind of food? Well, tonight we're having pot roast. With the little round potatoes? Uh-huh. You want to come home with me? This guy, Henry, wouldn't mind? Nah, Henry loves stray kids. He took me in, and I'll bet he'll take you in, too. Really? Our my name isn't Punky Brewster. Afterwards, she takes him home, where we see the three of them having dinner, and TC is scarfing down the food like it's his last meal. I like how he's acting tough like Punky was when she met Henry because she lived on her own for three weeks before they met. Henry asks the kid what his name is, and TC, her what his name is, and TC mumbles out a response around a mouthful of food. Henry asks him to repeat it in English, and Punky tells Henry his name is TC. TC asks for the potatoes, and Henry tells him to ask 
to ask for the potatoes as TC pulls the bowl from his grasp and takes what's left in the bowl, and then he asks Henry if he's going to finish his peas. Yes, Henry tells him, harshly covering his peas. What kid likes peas? I mean, I sure didn't growing up. I'm not big on vegetables too much. Green beans, yes. Corn, yes. That's pretty much it. I mean, I like uh, cauliflower. I haven't had that in ages, but I like it in a casserole with Ritz crackers and cheese. Henry's impressed being this is the first time he's, his cooking has been inhaled by someone, and Punky asks if Henry doesn't mind if TC comes for dinner again. Henry tells her he doesn't see why not. Punky asks if he can come once a month, and Henry says fine. Then Punky asks if they can adopt him. He drops his fork, looking at her like, What? he exclaims. She tells TC to excuse them as she pulls Henry out of the kitchen. She tells Henry that TC is all alone, just like she was, and Henry asks, He has no family? That's right, and if we adopt him, he'll be the son you always wanted. Uh, Punky, you do know that apartment is only a two-bedroom, right? Are you planning to share your room with an 11-year-old boy? Henry rolls his eyes at this. He has your eyes, Punky tells him. Yeah, no more than my cat has Jeremy's eyes, or London has Jeremy's eyes, or mine, for that matter. <laughs> he does not, Henry retorts. Henry asks where she found this kid, and she tells him in her room. In your room? He asks, surprised. She admits she found him stealing her jewelry box. Great, and you want Henry to adopt him? Uh, not gonna happen, Punky. You want me to adopt a thief? Henry asks, outraged. At hearing this, TC puts an ear closer to the kitchen door. Punky clasps her hands together. Please, can we keep him? She begs. Punky, he's not a dog. He's a human being. You can't claim ownership of a person. He levels with Punky that it's not that easy, and he's not about to harbor a half-pint hoodlum. TC throws open the door, the kitchen door. Who asked you, Pops? TC gets defensive, and Henry says, Hold it, young man. You're not allowed to call me Pops. Thanks for the chow. See ya, Punky, he tells her, not even looking in her direction. Henry asks TC if that's true, that he's homeless, and TC tells him he has a home with Blade. And Henry asks, what's a blade? Punky whispers to Henry that Blade makes TC steal for him. Henry tells TC that he can't be on good he, that he can't on good conscience allow him to return to a something named Blade, and he informs him he's taking him to Fenster Hall. What's that? TC asks suspiciously. Henry tells him it's a place that takes in kids like him, troubled youth. He tells them that Blade told him about those places, how they're like junior jails. He probably told him that so he would want to stay on and keep stealing for Blade. He's most likely think of uh, thinking of, that's more like uh, juvenile hall or detention centers and stuff like that is probably what he's more thinking that Fenster Hall would be. Punky puts a hand on his shoulder, shoulder, telling him, It's not a jail, it's a really nice place, and they'll try to find you a foster home. First they have to find me, TC tells him as he heads for the door, and Henry puts a hand out to stop him. 
telling him they can do it the easy way voluntarily or kicking and screaming his choice. In your ear, Gramps, as T.C. pushes past Henry, and Henry grips him by the shoulder, opens the door, and orders him to march. As T.C. protests, yelling, No! No! As he turns to Punky, telling her to get his hat, and Punky in turn tells Brandon to call Fenster as she closes the door, and Brandon runs over, grabs the phone off the hook. In the next scene, we're at Fenster Hall. We see a fence with a playground... And then the plaque that tells us Fenster Hall has been around since 1936. We're now in the hallway. Then we go into a room with four boys. One boy is jump roping and three boys are at the table. One heavyset boy is crushing walnuts or peanuts. I'm not sure. One of them. And another one with glasses is working on homework with the and a little boy wearing a newsboy cap is overseeing them at the table. That little boy is played by Benji Gregory who went on in 1986, the following year to play in the show on NBC also called Elf. He's so adorable here. His name is Dash, and the boy with the glasses is played by Gabriel Damon, who three years later in 1988 went on to voice Littlefoot in the first Land Before Time movie. Lyle, the boy with the glasses, tells the big guy, whose name we'll later find out is Conan, that he's telling on him because he's intentionally ruining his study hour, and the big guy tells him he's just shelling peanuts. The little kid in the newsboy cat tells Lyle he's just hungry, referring to the big guy, and Lyle throws back, he's always hungry, that's why he's enormous. See this? The big kid holds up a peanut and dressing Lyle. Yeah, Lyle says. This is you as the big guy smashes the peanut with his fist. Conan and the little kid, the um, little kid, Dash, laugh. I'll just start calling them by their names. Then a man comes in, and we are introduced to Mike Fulton, who is a caretaker at Fenster Hall for the boys' division, or the boys' section of Fenster Hall. That's probably why we didn't see him in Fenster Hall when Punky was there, because he was probably more um taking care of the boys and stuff and the girls are are probably run by another area or another person most likely he tells the four boys that it has come to his attention that someone on the boys floor decided to liven up yesterday's soup by adding it to nadine tannenbaum's goldfish he tells them that he'll be the first to admit that the soup needs work but personally he'd like it his without pets he tells them he doesn't want to see them pull that kind of stunt again. And the big guy says, Well, guys, I guess that rules out tomorrow's hamster milk. And the boys all laugh at this. He scolds the kids, telling them not to laugh and how Nadine is very upset. He tells them that he expects them, he expects everyone at the funeral of Glub Glub uh, Glub, Glub tomorrow. We hear Rita Sanchez, Mike's boss, over the intercom, and the kids boo her as she informs Mike she wants to see him in his office now. He tells them he has to go, and he tells them to have a nice day and to be good. Out in the hall, someone is playing a stereo, and a kid comes out dancing and gets Mike to join. 
The kid does awesome breakdancing moves and looks at Mike like, try that. And Mike looks at him like, no way. <laughs> I love Mike's rapport with the kids. He dances down the hall to his office. His office door reads, head caseworker boys. Rita tells him she got a very angry phone call from the county. The subject was Mike Fulton. Not many may know this, but the lady who plays Rita played Richie Valen's mother in the movie La Bamba two years later in 1987. What's the problem, he asks. They found out about Yahoo the Elephant, she tells him. Rita asks Mike what he was thinking with the elephant, and he tells her how the boys couldn't make it to the circus due to coming down with the chicken pops. He figured he'd bring a little of the circus to them. She tells him, next time, hire a clown. Then she asks him about the auction, and he proudly shows her the posters he's been putting up all over town. They look more like uh, cardboard, poster board, and all were basically hand or drawn with really neat handwriting, which, excuse me, he must have done because those kids, I don't really think that they would have perfect penmanship. Maybe Lyle. Lyle strikes me, I mean, he's very fluent. His vocabulary is top-notch. And he just he just seems very, very smart for his age. So he could have very good penmanship. Rita tells him how the auction isn't sanctioned by the city, so he'll have to cancel it. Heartbroken, Mike explains how these kids have been working on these projects for weeks. Looking at the poster, it says First Annual Fenster Hall Auction. Listed below on the poster, it says Artworks, Crafts, and then it says Objects de Art. I don't know. He also mentions how it's a way for Fenster to bring in some money. Rita explains the city provides for the children, and Mike points out it's only bed and board, and asks, what about fun? Yeah, it's basically just, we'll give you a bed and, and provide three meals a day for you. Hopefully it's three. Um, but there, other than that, that's pretty much it. Fun? Rita exclaims sarcastically. Mike tells her how these kids are from broken homes and burnt out on life. Mike also explains how it's his job to help them understand what has happened to them and to let them know that they are allowed to be happy. Mike looks at, or she looks at him like she understands his point and tells him he can have the auction and she'll clear it with the county. However, in return, he has to do something for her. And she tells him he has to catch up on his paperwork. He says he'll do anything, anything but the paperwork. But she pulls rank, saying as his boss, he won't leave his office till all his paperwork is gone. She turns to leave, then looks at him, telling him to have a nice day. Then she heads out the door, leaving Mike to this giant stack of paperwork. Yikes. I mean, it's like at least two feet tall. <laughs> He pulls the file off the top and reads, Little Jimmy Braxton. Ah, he's in the Marines now. Guess I am behind. Really? How old are these files? At least five years old, I'd say? Because Mike looks to be in his early to mid-twenties. There's a knock at the door and Punky and Henry walk in with TC. Punky hugs Mike and kisses him on the cheek. 
So they already knew each other then. Did they meet when she was at Fenster Hall and we just never met him before? I mean, that's the story I'm going to go with. Mike shakes Henry's hand and asks what they're doing there. And Henry tells him that they brought TC, who's in need of a friend. Mike bends down to TC's level and tells him most of the guys around here call him Mike. But TC is having none of this and instead resorts to calling him Muck. Mike just looks at him for a beat like, oh, we're going to play it like that, are we? Then he straightens and corrects, no, it's Mike, actually. Who cares? TC sneers at him. Thanks for bringing him in, Mike smiles through gritted teeth at Henry. Like, great, like I don't have a bunch of other guys just like him already here that mouth off to me. Henry just smiles as he rolls his eyes saying, don't mention it. Like, I want to unload this kid and get him off my hands. Here you go. Punky smiles as she grabs TC by the shoulders and says, Good luck. Yeah, sure, he says, looking over her head straight at Mike. Punky tells Mike bye, then kisses him on the cheek, and then she and Henry head to leave. Mike reminds them of the upcoming auction, and Punky turns to TC and offers a tip from when she lived at Fenster Hall. Always be first at the dessert lines, except on Fridays when they serve rice pudding, and she makes a grossed-out face at this. See, you know, they could do that back in the 80s, and the pedo police wouldn't be all up in arms like they would be today with a child kissing a, a man who's of no relation to her on the cheek. Then they leave... Leaving Mike and TC alone, Mike asks TC what his initials stand for, and TC just looks at him defiantly. Not getting anywhere, Mike offers the boy a seat so they can talk and get to know one another. He starts off by asking TC what's bothering him and what's his last name. TC says, your, your face. Then Mike leads into one impression after another from Michael Jackson, Mr. T, Bill Cosby, and others. It looks like for a split second, the actor playing TC was trying to hide a smile because he tried to reel it back in with a tough guy expression. Or maybe it was just him playing playing the part of TC really well. But he does smile at the end and gives up his last name, which is Finestra. Alright, now we're getting somewhere as we see Mike grab some paperwork to start filling out and ask for TC's birthday, which is March 10th, 1974. So that would make him around 11, which is what I kind of figured he'd be around 11 or 12. TC tells him that's all the information he's giving out. He's all out of answers. Mike tells him that's fine because he's all out of characters as he smiles at him and TC smiles back. Now we head back to the room with the other boys as Mike comes in with TC and introduces him. The boys all look at him dismissively. TC looks around and notices how crowded the room is with five kids and Lyle pipes up and shows how, or says how it used to be four until TC showed up. TC wastes no time asserting his dominance as he goes over to Lyle telling him any more lip and there'll still be four of us. TC's pretty good at holding his ground here, trying to call the shots, commanding the room. Lyle puts his glasses on and smiles at TC, saying, Welcome aboard! So glad you could join us! Mike just tells them all good night, and then he leaves. I mean, 
it's the boy's first night. He doesn't even know the rules. Where his bed is? Does he have any clothes that he could that could go in a drawer? I mean, I didn't see him come in with a bag like Punky had when she stayed at Fenster. Mike could have hung out for like a half hour just to let TC get settled, but he probably figured he'd let the boys work it out for themselves. So after Mike leaves, Dash takes it upon himself to introduce TC to everyone. He is such a cutie. I can see why he was picked to play Brian Tanner in 1986's NBC show Elf. He's got a certain charm about him. He introduces himself as Dash, then turns to Lyle, Sugar, or Lyle and Sugar, I'm sorry, TC scoffs at these mocking their names and asking if he was stuck in the wimp ward. TC doesn't under TC don't underestimate them due to their names. TC walks over to the big curly haired boy and pokes at him, asking, What do you guys call this? Conan as Conan standing up towers over TC and just looks at him clearly <laughs> TC just looks at him clearly intimidated. <laughs> nice name, he smiles in fear. Lyle turns and asks TC what his initials stand for. TC looks down at him and says, Toad Collector, and you guys are primo specimens. Conan's face is confused, and then Sugar tells TC that as far as he's concerned, it actually should stand for Toad Face. TC should have thought, maybe I shouldn't peeve these kids off since I'm going to be rooming with them for this foreseeable future. But I can see that being TC has been on the streets for who knows how long, he feels the need to assert his dominance and protect himself. TC tells Sugar to watch it as he gets in his face and Sugar tells him, I don't like your attitude. Lyle turns around to watch and I notice the back of his shirt says property of Fenster Hall. So is Lyle property of Fenster Hall or is it just the shirt? Does he have to give the shirt back if he gets adopted? What are these questions rattling, rattling around in my brain? Yeah, why would you go tell your mommy, TC taunts. You messing with Lester Sugar Thompson, the next middleweight champion of the world. Sugar is ready to throw down. TC continues to taunt Sugar by saying he might make it if he keeps fighting shadows. Sugar tells him to watch his mouth and count his teeth as they're getting right in each other's faces. TC looks at the other boys and asks, what time do they lock us in around here? And Lyle turns to him, locks? This isn't a correctional institution. You mean the doors and windows aren't locked, he asks? Of course not, Lyle tells him, turning around in a chair. We're on an honor system here, Sugar tells him proudly. You mean the only thing keeping me in this dump is my honor, TC asks incredulously, looking around at the boys. That's right! Dash confirms as he eyes TC. So long, chumps, TC sneers at them, then jumps up onto the dresser by the window and proceeds to climb out the window. Dash runs over to the window. He left. What do you think we ought to do? He asks the other boys, shocked. <laughs> Celebrate. Sugar tells him as he struts away from the window and high-fives Conan and Lyle. Now we move back to the crap shack as we see Blade chilling in a chair using his switchblade to carve an apple as TC rushes down the stairs. TC walks inside and says, hey Blade, what's shaking, man? Wow, what an 80s term, what's shaking? Blade sits forward in the chair and stabs the apple with his knife. Clearly he's not happy. 
He asks TC where he's been, and TC tells him he got sidetracked and ended up at this place called Fenster Hall. Okay, now, I'm gonna rag on Blade for a minute here. Why, you ask? Because he deserves it. His face is so sweaty and shiny and dirty. He looks like he hasn't bathed or showered in a year, and probably stinks a major B.O. Not to mention, he's got a knife, and is mentally unpredictable. How in the world did TC hook up with, with this guy? My guess is he was alone and figured Blade already had a knife, so he offered protection and shelter, although he had to work for... TC had to work for that protection by stealing for Blade. You know what? Zack's place at the car dump looked better than this place. Too bad TC couldn't have hooked up with him. He would have been better off. Speaking of Zack, do you think he got adopted or went back home to his family? Both he and TC came from similar backgrounds, broken homes with child abuse. He tells Blade it's a dog pound for kids. Blade comes up with, the, with an idea, being he's seen posters around town about Fenster Hall's upcoming auction. He tells Blade he's glad to be away from that place, and then Blade orders him to go right back and to get the money from the auction. Then he tells TC he'll come back to him... He tells TC that TC will come back to him with the money. TC looks at him with admiration and tells Blade he's a genius and they do some weird handshake. Alright, that is the end of Fenster Hall Part 1. And now, let's move on to Fenster Hall Part 2. We see TC is already back in Fenster Hall with the other boys as he leans against the door watching them throw a ball back and forth. This must be the rec hall with Sugar beating the punching bag. There's a couch and chairs set up as well as a vending machine with cold drinks and a tennis or table tennis uh, table set up. Conan chucks a dodgeball at Lyle's head causing him to fall back into a cluster of baseball bats and Lyle shouts at him, I'm telling! TC chuckles at this. Mike blasts the air horn calling the group to gather around the table. He tells the group, being it's Monday, that means it's gripe night. And Mike has Conan explain to TC what gripe night is. Conan informs TC how gripe night is an open forum for their thoughts. Great, today you get a thought, we'll open the forum, TC jokes, pointing at Conan. Conan points to TC and asks Mike, can I hurt him? And Mike tells him, no, he's hurting himself already. Not as much as I could, Conan adds. Moving on, Mike asks, who has a gripe? And Sugar raises his hand, asking about the upcoming auction. Mike writes it on the chalkboard, listed as number one under the title, Grape Night. Do they even use chalkboards anymore, or just whiteboards? I remember chalkboards being used when I was in elementary school through middle school, so from 1989 through 96. And then it seemed like we had moved on to whiteboards and dry erase boards when I got to high school. Sugar tells Mike how the kids have worked really hard to finish their projects in time for the auction, but one of them hasn't even started a project yet. I'm not even going to ask who that person is, Mike draws out as the kids all point to TC. So how long has TC been staying there? When is this auction? TC fires back, why should I help you guys? I'm not interested in raising bucks for bozos. Conan looks at TC and says, you offend my sensibilities. Fine too, Dash adds. Look, guys, TC doesn't have to make something for the auction. It's voluntary, Mike explains to them. Now let's move on. 
I have a gripe, Mike tells them. Uh-oh, the kids mutter around the table. I see three other boys with the group of regular kids. I wonder if we'll get to know their names. Mike turns and writes on the board, Number two, Hassling Girls. He brings up the boy's stunt, killing Nadine's goldfish Glub Glub via soup, but their behavior at Glub Glub's funeral was inexcusable, and he asked, Who brought the cat? The boys all point to TC. She shouldn't have had an open coffin, TC smirks. Mike jumps on TC's case, telling him if he doesn't straighten up, he is going to find himself scrubbing the floor with a toothbrush. And TC just looks at Mike defiantly, staring Mike down, but then he breaks eye contact and looks down. Clearly, Mike realizes he's met his match with TC. Mike stands up straight and asks the boys if there are any more gripes, and Wilde tells him it's not so much a what as a who, and he points to TC. Lyle explains how he went out of his way to be nice to this freakazoid and even loaned his copy of recent revisions in the federal tax code. Mike asks Lyle if he finished <laughs> Mike asks Lyle if he happened to finish his ten forty form. Lyle lets him know he'll have it for him next Monday and tells him he thinks he'll be pleased. Mike thanks him and tells him to go back to his grape. And Lyle says, Despite my outpouring of generosity towards TC, he invariably rebuffs me with his contemptuous behavior. Mike tells him they're the ones with the gripes against TC and ask what they want to do about it. Let's run his underwear up the flagpole, Dash suggests, and the kids laugh. Mike smirks at this and then Sugar adds, yeah, with him in him. Mike suggests instead of that, they put him in the hot box, and the boys cheer in agreement at this idea. The boys all gather in a circle on the carpet. TC asks, what's this? And Mike informs him it's a hot box, and all the kids have had their turn inside it. Alright, I'm going to play this clip, because this is where we see TC finally open up about his past. Now, this clip is going to be quite long, because it does go on for a bit. But we really get to see this actor, I believe his name is Billy Lombardo, really get to act in the scene. And... He does a very, I don't, this, this probably is the scene that he was nominated for, which I will bring that up later towards the end of the episode when we go into it. But I'm going to play the clip for you, and I hope you, you really enjoy it. You get to really hear this boy's acting, just everything, you know, the emotions. You don't get to see his tears, but you can probably hear it in his voice. So, all right, I'll play that, and I will be right back. Actually, I was thinking, what if we put TC in the hot box? What's this? TC, we call this the hot box. And we've all had our turn inside it. What happens? Well, the idea is for you to open up. Tell us what you're thinking and how you feel. Man, you guys are sure hard up for entertainment around here. Hey, ever since you got here, you've had this chip on your shoulder. Why the Mr. Tough Guy act? It's no act. I am tough, and I can whip any kid here, even inflatable Hulk. Hey, sit down, Colin. I'll tell you what tough is, TC. Tough is having enough guts to talk the truth about yourself. So step inside the box. It's okay, TC. Don't be scared. 
who said I was scared. What do you want to know, Mr. Mom? What you so mad about? Simple. I hate being here. Yeah, then why'd you come back? It's none of your business. Hey, man, I think what you need is an attitude adjustment. See, we don't like you making fun of us. Mike says that we are all supposed to stick together. And Mike says that Mike we... says, Mike says. Man, he's really kind, you guys. I beg your pardon? <laughs> Can't you see what he is? He's a lousy do-gooder. He comes in here, gives us some crummy two-bit advice he got out of a fortune cookie. Then he goes home and brags to all his buddies what a wonderful job he's doing with us poor, miserable kids. Mike cares about us, do you see? He loves Finster Hall. Yeah, sure. He does. Why should I believe that? Because I've been here since I was seven years old. Where's your family, T.C.? What? Where's your mother? Dead. Where's your father? Split. When was the last time you saw him? A few months ago. Why do you think he... We get off my back! Why do you think he split? Who knows? We lived in this trailer. And one day I come home from school. And the trailer's gone. No more dad. No more pad. Big deal. Why do you think he split? Cares. I think you care. Why do he split? For one thing, couldn't get a job. He was also hitting the bottle pretty hard. And... Yeah? My mother died when I was born. And he never let me forget it. I wish it could have been me who died instead of her. It wasn't your fault, T.C. Your father was wrong to blame you. And it's my guess that he would never have blamed you if he had realized one thing. What's that? That you needed your mom just as much as he did. Yeah. All right. You may trick me to spill my guts, but that's it, pal. Hands off. It's getting late, guys. Ready to hit the sack.
TC. Good night. Mike says goodnight to the boys and then leaves. When he's done, the boys turn to look at TC like maybe they see him in a relatable different light now. Sugar gets up and lightly taps TC on the shoulder with his fist, then leaves. Dash comes up to TC and offers his blue car. I think it was a car. I'm not sure. It might have been a car. Then he hugs TC and gives him a kiss on the cheek and tells him he's glad he's there and how he always wanted a big brother. Then he heads to his room. Aw, that's so sweet. Lots of hugs and kisses on this show. I love TC's smile after Dash hugs him, almost like they're having a like he's having a change of heart because somebody wants him in their life and is glad he's there. I mean, he's probably never even ever heard that. Not from his dad, surely not from Blade. All right, I'm going to play this cute little clip of that sweet little scene because it is absolutely adorable and it melts my heart. Night, TC. I'm glad you're here. I've always wanted a big brother. In the next scene, the boys are sleeping in their beds. Conan is sleeping with a Twinkie in his hand. No surprise there. He also snores. Ugh, I'm not a fan of snoring. I wonder how much this guy would love deep-fried Twinkies now that you can find them at Walmart in the freezer section and cook them in your oven at home. If you haven't had them, they are good. Now we see sweet little Dash sleeping with, I think, maybe it was a teddy bear? I'm not sure. Or maybe a stuffed dog or something. Sugar's sleeping with his boxing gloves on above in the top bunk. And on the lower bunk, we see Lyle sleep with a book recent revisions in the federal tax code open on his chest and his glasses slipping off his face. TC, of course, is wide awake with his hands behind his head as the other boys sleep soundly. All of a sudden, we see a gloved hand cover TC's mouth, then we move to the window as Blade crawls inside, startling TC. Blade asks him if things are still on track for the auction, and TC tells him he doesn't think it's a good idea anymore. Blade says how stealing money how stealing money is always a good idea. Can't we just forget it? TC pleads. No, we can't just forget it, Blade mocks him. Blade sticks his finger in TC's face, telling him when the auction's over, TC has and TC has the cash, he needs to get his butt back to Blade's place. But Blade TC continues to plead, but Blade continues with the finger in the face and tells him not to go soft on him and gets ready to head back out the window, but not before threatening TC with a switchblade, warning how, warning him how soft things have a way of getting bruised as he stabs at an apple on the dresser. He takes a bite of the apple, then hightails it off the window. TC nervously runs his fingers through his hair. In the next scene, it's the day of the auction as we see the banner announcing the big day in the rec room that's been set up with chairs for the guests. Rita goes up to the podium, then she heads over to the auction table, where the projects are gathered, and we see TC, who smiles at her, and Sugar. We, we see when she turns her back on them, that TC actually placed a sign that, there that reads, Sorry, I was born this way. TC turns around to Sugar, and they both laugh and slap double high fives. 
We focus on the doorway as Punky, Henry, and Sherry and Betty walk in. Hi, Mike! Punky calls out. Mike takes one look at Punky and tells her how great she looks and then asks her to marry him. Punky lets him down gently, stating how she promised Henry she wouldn't get married till she started dating. Henry introduces Mike to Betty, who in turn mentions to Betty how her dress looks gorgeous and asks if she'll marry him. And she smiles and says, yeah, I didn't promise Henry a thing. Aw, <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny and cute. All three of them having a good laugh at this. Punky walks over to the auction table and says hi to TC. And he turns and smiles, saying, Hey, Punky, thanks for the rice pudding alert. That stuff was to toxic waste. Punky then introduces TC to Cherry, and vice versa. TC says, Hi, Cherry, and then introduces Sugar. Hi, Cherry, Sugar sm says, smiling at her shyly. Then we see Cherry as her eyes cross in a puppy, do uh, puppy love look, but she quickly snaps out of it. She pulls Punky aside and tells her he's gorgeous right out loud with an earshot, but I doubt that he minds. Punky says hi to Sugar and then asks TC if he made anything on the table. Yeah, as he points to the birdhouse. The blue birdhouse. Wow, that boy's got some crafting skills. Yeah, it started out to be a doghouse, but then I ran out of time, he tells her. But, uh... Punky tells him it's really great. TC excuses himself and Sugar gets and Sugar to get some more food before Conan can suck it all up. Or before he sucks it all up. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. I'm all over the place today. Anyway. Sugar says bye to Cherry as she once again pulls Punky aside to say how gorgeous he is. And Punky just looks at her like, uh, yeah, you already said that. Like, Punky hasn't yet reached that mature level of appreciation for the male form. Give it a few more years. She's only eight. And she already mentioned how she doesn't want a boyfriend, hence Conrad from My Age Valentine, that episode. When the boys leave, Punky tells her she's a very sick person. <laughs> yeah, sick with boy crazy in it. And that's it. Boy crazy-itis. But she needs some sugar. Get it? Yeah, I'm in sugar shock, she tells Punky dreamily. OMG, Cherry Girl, you got it bad. Punky just glanced at her like, I don't get you, girl. Not one bit. You so weird. Then Punky <laughs> quiets, excuse me, then Mike quiets down the room and tells everyone to take a seat as the auction is about to begin. Mike goes up to the podium and welcomes everybody and tells them how they're there tonight to raise some money for some much-needed sports equipment. But there's something else that these kids need even more, than, and even more, and that's a home. So please think about being a foster parent. At this, Punky and Henry look at each other in adoration. Alright, and now it's auction time, he shouts and claps his hands as the crowd cheers in agreement. But before we get to the kids' projects, I have a beautiful item for sale, he tells them. He calls to Dash, who hands Mike a nice tan coat. As Mike holds up the coat, he tells them the coat is not brand new, but it is genuine camel hair. And this coat can go six months without water, as the audience laughs. <clears throat> he asks if someone will start the bidding at $50, and that's when Rita jumps in, telling him that's her coat. Uh-oh. Mike and ignores her and asks if anyone wants to bid $50, and she tells him it costs 130 
And then we hear a gavel bang as Mike yells, sold for 130, and everyone applauds at her generosity. Next up, Mike shows off the birdhouse that TC built, and Punky begs Henry for them to buy it. Henry bids 20, then we hear Betty bid 25, and Punky nudges Henry, telling him Mrs. Johnson is trying to outbid them. She won't get away with it, and he bids 30. Betty bids 35, and then she and Henry get into a bidding war as, cra as crazy as a last-minute down-to-the-wire eBay auction. Henry goes up to 50, then Betty raises it to 75. Henry goes up to 100, Betty yells out 150. Holy crap! Well, it is for a good cause. I mean, I didn't pay that much for my bird feeders. Even though this is a birdhouse they're bidding on. However, if you add up all the bird feeders i gotten over the years and the $20 bags of bird seed I bought over the years that mainly ended up feeding the stupid squirrels, then it could have eventually added up to that. Mike calls out 150 and Henry bids 175 The crowd oohs at this. At this, with mouth agape and shock, Betty sits back down. Mike calls out, sold for 175 to Henry Warnemont. Henry and Mike shake hands. Shocked, Punky tells Henry he just spent $175 on a birdhouse. Henry looks devastated as the realization kicks in and the high of the bidding war wears off. He slowly sinks back down into his chair and Punky pats his arm. Now we're going into a bidding montage with other items on the auction block. A pair of red fuzzy dice, wooden bookends, along with other things. The crowd is really getting into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Laughing and having a good time. And Rita can't take the money fast, being given to her by people fast enough. The montage continues with other items and the kids goofing around. Sugar shows off his bicep to Cherry who touches his arm in awe and Dash shows off his skinny arm as he sits on Conan's lap and TC laughs having a great time. We finally see the girl Nadine who hands Mike her fishbowl from Glob Glob. We also see Conan stuffing his face at the dessert and refreshment table and the items on the table for the auction become fewer and fewer. <clears throat> Mike, Mike's holding the large amount of bills fanned out by the cash box while people mill about collecting their prized auction items to take home with them. TC hangs around eyeing the cash box trying to figure out a way to get the money and deliver it to Blade. Now we move across the room to where Henry and Betty in much better spirits with each other as they laugh about how much they bid on the birdhouse. Henry tells her why don't they share the cost and they both practically bust a gut laughing about it. Betty stops laughing long enough to tell him to forget it. <laughs> TC sees his chance to take the cash box when Mike is distracted talking to someone, but he does notice TC almost slip out the door with it before he stops him. TC explains how he's going to take him to Mike's office. Then when Mike looks at him questioningly, TC asks, what? Don't you trust me? I'd be like, well, kid, if you have to ask, then no, I don't. I mean, honestly, what has TC done to be trustworthy? Sure, he spilled his guts in the hot box, but that was because Mike pushed him to. He's given Mike no real reason to trust him, especially not with that much money, and he didn't even ask Mike if he could take the cash box to his office. First, he just grabbed it and started heading out the door. 
If Mike hadn't noticed, TC would have been long gone. Yeah, I trust you, Mike tells him. More like, I don't, but this is going to be a test to see where your loyalties lie. Here at Fenster, are out there with Blade, who Mike doesn't even know about. Go ahead, he tells TC, who then runs out the door. The way Mike said that is like, go ahead, this will be a great way to see if you in fact can be trusted, because we know Mike is going to be close behind him. We see TC fanning out the large amount of money, which mainly contains a lot of 5s, 10s, and $20 bills. Then he holds it under his arm and he wagers as he wagers what to do. Maybe what Dash had said about always wanting an older brother finally got to him, and is making him feel guilty. All of a sudden we hear Blade's voice asking TC where he's been, and then we see Blade crouched in the window. Blade, TC calls over his shoulder towards the window as Blade pushes the window wider and hops down, informing TC he was supposed to be home half an hour ago and tells him he was real worried. Sure you were, guy. TC tells him he was just counting the money and then Blade rips it out of his hand and holds the empty cash box, surprised that TC actually pulled it off. Blade throws the money inside and turns to head back out the window, but TC grabs his arm to stop him and tells him to wait. He tells Blade he's been thinking, and Blade tells him, bad habit. TC goes on to say how much the kids at Fenster don't have much, and they worked real hard for it, and they need the money. Blade tells TC to slap a band-aid on his heart because it's starting to bleed. TC pulls the cash box out of Blade's hand and tells him they should leave with the, leave the money there, and he'll come home with him and steal all the stuff he wants. Blade tells him he's got a better idea, and he'll take the money and live real good until the money runs out, and then TC will steal all the stuff he wants. And Blade turns to go as TC pulls the cash box out of his arms again, telling Blade he's not taking the money, and that's final. So no one has come to the room yet. No kids have passed by and noticed the commotion going on. They need to beef up the security there. I mean, what happened to Tyler, who was watching the hallway back in the second episode of season one? They could really use him right now. Blade backs TC into a corner and asks if he's trying to double-cross him. After all he's done for him. You haven't helped me, Blade, TC fires back. You make me do things that make me feel bad about myself. And then you say you're the only one who cares about me. Well, that isn't true. People here care about me and they want to do they want me to do things that make me feel good about myself and I like that so get out of here Blade as TC pushes Blade away from him me and this money are staying put he informs him Blade just looks at him dumbfounded dumbfounded for a second but quickly comes to his senses as he grabs TC by the jacket and pulls him along with him that's when Mike barges in asking Blade going somewhere I bet Mike was listening at the door the whole time. What do you think? I mean, it's a good thing he was, or this could have ended badly with TC getting hurt. TC pulls out of Blade's grasp and falls back against the closet door. Blade begins to taunt Mike, calling him camp counselor, and then laughs as he pulls out the switchblade. Blade tells Mike to beat it, or he'll get hurt. TC warns Mike to be careful because Blade is good with the knife. Mike wraps his hand in a t-shirt as Blade charges at Mike and tackles him on the bed. Mike kicks Blade back across the room with his foot. Blade continues to jab and swing at Mike with his knife. Mike tells Blade to take the money, he just can't have TC. Really? 
Blade scoffs, telling Mike that his knife is proof that he can have both. Mike tells Blade if he takes the money, he won't hassle him, but if he takes TC, he'll have to kill him for it. Blade grabs the, cra the cash box from TC and climbs out the window. Mike looks out to see which direction Blade might have went. Mike yells out the window to Blade, he better not come back. Then Mike turns around as the adrenaline wears off and he suddenly realizes his life was at stake and it causes him to kill forward for a moment in shock. TC comes forward and Mike asks if he's alright. TC tells him, yeah. TC asks Mike how much did he hear before he came in and Mike tells him all of it. Oh, so that means you followed me here, TC asks accusingly and Mike says, yeah, not denying it. When I asked you if you trusted me, you said you did, TC fires back angrily. I lied, Mike says point blank. TC asks when Mike told Blade if he took TC, he'd have to kill Mike first. Was that a lie too? No, that was the truth, Mike tells him. TC just looks at Mike as the, world, as the word s settles over him, unsure... Excuse me, let me start that over. TC just looks at Mike as the words settle over him, unsure how he feels about dishonesty, that somebody would give up their life for him. TC offers his hand to Mike, and he shakes it. Then he pulls TC in for a hug. The boys rush in, asking what happened. He tells the boys, Mike tells the boys to calm down and explains that a guy broke in and tried to take TC and the auction money. But Mike stood up to him and ran him off, TC proudly announces to the boys. The boys cheer at this. Lyle asks if the guy got them auction money, and TC tells him yes. But they still have TC. Swell, Conan says. TC then informs them that Blade got the cash box. But he didn't get the cash. As he pulls it out from the inside of his jacket and tosses it in the air as the kids all cheer as the money rains down on them. Now we're back in Henry's apartment as we see Henry come through the door as Punky comes out of the kitchen wearing an apron and chef's hat. She tells him Blade's been caught by the police at the hospital. And she explains how Blade was so mad when he found out the cash box was empty, he threw it down and it broke his toe. They laugh at this and Punky asks Henry if she can invite TC to get to dinner. And Henry tells her sure. Punky then asks, since she's inviting TC, if she can also invite Mike as well. Henry says, nah, that sounds okay. And then Punky asks, well, since she's inviting TC and Mike, if she can also invite the rest of Fenster Hall, too. What? Henry exclaims. Then Punky pulls back the kitchen door, and we see Betty, Cherry, Mike, TC, and the other boys from Fenster Hall, even Rita as well. And Brandon, too. And they all shout, Hi, Henry! What's for dinner? Henry just stands there, mouth agape, in shock. Alright, well, that's it, punky peeps. We did it. We finished season one. I feel so accomplished. I've been doing this podcast since the last week in February of this year. So it's been over five months. Thank you so much for listening. Before I go out and give my Brandon Tailwag rating for the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to my one of my new regular listeners, Punky Peep Lauren, who has some things she'd like to say about this double fencer hall episode. The only two characters I want to come on 
comment on Infenster Hall are Mike and TC. Mike is amazing in this episode. His love and compassion, as well as concern for children, really comes through here, especially when TC starts really opening up. I wish I had someone like Mike to confine in when I was a teen and a kid, or a kid and a teen. Also, TC is fleshed out really well, too. One of my favorite scenes is Punky's reunion with Mike. The hug is sweet and it seems like she really trusts him, which is big for her. I've always wondered how they met and if he helped her out of helped her out off screen for the first time when she was in Fenster. I love that Mike becomes Punky's teacher in season two. Mike is a shining example of how we can use our trauma and bad past experiences to help others and turn them into something positive. He definitely inspired me at a young age to try to do the same. Alright, I thank you Lauren very much for your input there. I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts. Also, I looked up on IMDb for this episode and the actor Billy Lombardo, who plays TC Finestra, got a Young Artist Award nomination. He didn't win, but he got a nomination in 1986 for this episode, two-parter that he was in. Alright, now it's time for my Brandon Tailwag episode rating. It's still a five-point scale because I am judging the, episode, the two episodes as a whole because it aired all in the same night. I am giving it a 5 out of 5 Brandon Tailwags. 1. For Mike's introduction. 2. For Little Dash. 3. For TC's tearful confession of his past. 4. For TC and Dash's hug. 5. When Mike lays down his life to spare TC. Alright, time for Punky's Principles. What I learned from this two-parter episode. Don't ever do what Punky did and go after a robber if he steals from you. About seven years ago, I was walking. And a couple of te- uh, I was out walking. It was a nice summer day, right around probably this time in July. And a couple of teenage boys were on a bike. They decided to steal my MP3 player, which was connected to my armband that was on my arm. And they pulled it off my arm. They actually came by on their bike right alongside me as, and pulled it off, like just ripped it. It was, had a really stretchy band on it and they pulled it off and rode away with it. It was that, it happened that fast. I actually chased after them shouting. Some people nearby had called the cops. Sadly, they never found the kids. My music player was never recovered. I was just, I was really heartbroken. You know, I was just walking along, I was listening to my music, and all of a sudden, boom, this just happened. I mean, it wasn't the greatest in the world neighborhood. It was, you know, where I live. I normally, you know, just kind of go, well, I don't, I don't walk down there anymore. I don't, I just really avoid that, that area if I can, um. But it, it was a red flag, you know, I worked at uh, Goodwill at the time, and a customer had a consignment shop, and I wanted to check it out. Those two boys actually happened to be following me into the consignment shop, which I thought was a red flag. I should have called Jeremy at the time and asked for him to pick me up or something. But when I left, they had left, and they were on the same side of the road as me. And then I went to switch to the other side of the road, because I was, I was suspicious as heck. And I was really freaking out about it. And then they switched to the side of the road, came up alongside of me, and just, boom. And I just, I was like, that's my music. That's, 
I mean, yeah, it's not music's not more important. That music player wasn't more important than my life, but it's like that was my personal thing. That was my personal item, and they thought that they had the right to take that from me. So, but like I said, I didn't get it back. Jeremy was nice enough <laughs> that he went and got me a new music player, which I had went through a couple of them, and then finally just broke down and got an iPod. But like I said, that probably wasn't wise for me to do, to race after them. But it's just that that hurt very much that those teenagers thought that they could do that to an adult. I also, I learned that sometimes you can find your find help in the most unlikely of places and sometimes bad things that happen down the road could maybe be a good thing. <clears throat> also, trust has to be earned. TC earned, learned a valuable lesson that just because one adult lets you down in life doesn't mean all adults will. Alright, why don't we welcome some new Punky Peep listeners into the Hall of Punky Brewster Podcast Listening Hall of Fame. For the past week, we have Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Shawnee, Kansas, I'm guessing Bath, Michigan, this looks like Bath to me, Auburn, Alabama, Los Angeles, California, France, Amelia, Ohio, An another place in France that I can't pronounce, Muskegon, Michigan, Madison, Alabama, Cape Coral, Florida, Kansas City, Missouri, and Brooklyn, New York. I want to give a sincere thank you to all listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. I love giving you the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week. Joining me as I go into full detail describing her many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. <clears throat> Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. The more rates and reviews this podcast gets, the easier it is for people to see it that it's out there. So tell your family and friends this is a family-friendly podcast to be listened to by all. So all you have to do is just go to iTunes and su subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, check out my sodium. Oh my goodness, guys. Check out my social media sites, which you can access using the links on my SoundCloud account, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Throughout the week, I post the listener and episode trivia questions for upcoming episodes on my social media sites. And if you'd like to become an honorary Punky Peep of the week, crown and all, plus a shout out on the podcast, all you gotta do is just answer the listener and episode episode trivia questions posted on my social media sites. Facebook at Punky Power on an official Punky Brewster podcast. Instagram, Punky PB podcast. Twitter, Punky PB podcast. Tumblr, Punky Power on an official Punky Brewster podcast. And Gmail at Punky Power PB podcast at gmail.com. For those of you that want to email me to tell me what Punky Brewster means to you, if you watched it as a child or maybe you've introduced it to your child, or anything punky related as well as praise for this podcast. Alright, I found some interesting comments on YouTube while watching this episode, and I'd like to share some with you all. For Fenster Hall Part 1, could this music be any more 80s? My mom also grew up with this show, and she introduced me to it when I was like 4, and I love it so much. <laughs> that MJ impression. This is one of my favorite episodes of the show. I watched... 
I watched the show when I was a kid, loved it, then now I am an adult, still love it. It's funny and sweet and sometimes sad and inspiring too. Punky has her own style and that makes her unique. LOL, at 10.44, Brandon's like, wait, what's the number? Oh, dang it. <laughs> LB, LMBO, laugh my butt off. The youngest kid in the room with a cap on, did he play Brian in Elf? The answer, yes. The administrator of Fenster Hall in this episode, Ros Rosanna DeSoto starred in La Bamba in 1987. That's right, I said earlier, she did play Richie Valen's mom, who was played by Lou Diamond Phillips. My mom grew up watching the show. She introduced it to me last summer, and I've been crazy for Punky since. She is so cute. All right, let's move on to some Fenster Hall Part 2 comments. I like TC a lot and the shortest boys, the boy with glasses, and the blonde boy. They are so cute. I like this episode. It is touching. Poor TC learned to hide his emotions and tears by being tough. I wish I could have... that. I wish it could have been me who died instead of her. It's so sad. Yes, that is something that he says. Because his, his mother had died when he was born. Where are the girls of that place? Lisa, did she find a family? OMG, Dash was so adorable. Sugar was quite a cutie too. Alright, well, Punky Peeps, I'd say we ended the Season 1 chapter of Punky Brewster excellently. Join me next Monday as we close the book on Season 1 with a wrap-up where I discuss my favorite episodes, main characters, side characters who I miss, and who I don't. Those that I don't, I'm looking at you, Scotty Labucci. Best branding moments, Punky's clothing style, along with other things. Um, actually, her clothing style, once I get to Season 3, which won't be till January, is gonna be crazy off-the-wall bonkers awesome when she really gets into her style because then... Punky's going to be probably about 10, 11 years old. She's going to be a preteen. So that'll be fun. But we still got a ways. We gotta, we're getting through season. We're going to start season two. And we are going to get into some heavy episodes coming up. Season two is. I mean, if you thought season one was good. A Punky Brewster. Season two is going to take it up like five notches. We deal for, like I said, some serious episodes. There's a. Episode that deals with a mentally challenged woman uh, that Punky befriends. There is also, I think, towards the end of the season, the space, uh, the Challenger space shuttle explosion, um, and and just a, a, a bunch of different things. I, I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited to get into this. All right. Well, then the big day will arrive, August first. So next Monday, I'm doing the season wrap up. Closing the book on the on season one. We're done. We're packing it away. We're moving on to season two. We're starting open the opening the cover of season two. Starting a new chapter. All right. We will be getting to the KO Kid. It stands for Knockout Kid, which aired on September fifteenth, nineteen eighty five. Right out of the gate, we get an episode that deals with topics like kids. Punky faces a bully, and she has to learn how to deal with that. So that is, that's a heavy episode right there. And that is something that kids still deal with today. You know, they're everywhere. You cannot get away from them. And with the internet, it makes them that much harder to have to deal with. Ser 
personally, I am happy I didn't have to deal with cyberbullying growing up. And I feel terrible for those children that have to do, that do deal with that. That's not to say I'm a stranger to bullying because I was bullied all through school. All right. Well, on that note, I'd say I, I will let you all enjoy your week. So keep your ears open for the awesomeness that is coming with Season 2 next Tuesday. Don't worry, the episodes will move back to Mondays the following week. I just wanted to start off in a new month. So keep on shining your punky power, peeps. And I will see you next Monday with the wrap-up and Tuesday with Season 2 Episode 1, The Knockout Kid. Alright, bye-bye.